Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux. I hope you're doing well. So I'm here with Jason, not his real name, who is calling in from Hong Kong. And as you, I'm sure, have been aware, there have been a massive series of protests been going on for quite some time, many years, in fact, but are escalating at the moment. And Jason is here to give us the view from the ground. Thank you so much for taking the time today. So for those who are not aware of everything that's been going on in Hong Kong. Uh, let me just give everyone very, very brief history and, and correct me where I've gone astray. Sure. But um, England, uh, well, Britain and China waged war and a relatively undeveloped Hong Kong was retained by Britain uh, after the, uh, at the very end of the 19th century. And it had a 99-year lease that was supposed to be under the British, uh, and it was. And then in 1997, it was handed back to China with the idea or the approach that it would retain its uniquely British heritage of freedom of association, freedom of the press, freedom of speech, free markets, and so on. And so Hong Kong survived the terrible imposition, uh, really the worst imposition of ideology on any country throughout all of human history was the imposition of communism in China from the late 1940s until it began to recede in the 90s. Uh, really the, the, the most brutal massacres and repressions and starvations of, of humanity that has ever existed in the face of God's green earth. And then in 1997, it was handed back to China with the idea that it was going to maintain its uh, uh, autonomy. So one country, two systems is the way that it was called, that you'd have this authoritarian system in China and a relatively Western-style free market democracy in Hong Kong. And back in the day, end of the 90s, Hong Kong was fully 25% of the value of the entire Chinese economy because, of course, it was still China was still mired in the inefficiencies of communism and socialism. As China has grown, the proportion of Hong Kong's revenue or, or economic value relative to China as a whole has gone from like 27% down to like 3%. So they can muscle uh, Hong Kong a whole lot more. Now, under Margaret Thatcher, the deal was in 1997 that China was going to retain Hong Kong uh, in its current state for 50 years, right? So this is uh, 2047, uh, and um, China's getting a little impatient, chomping at the bit, trying to impose more and more controls over Hong Kong, and they are meddling intensely in the Hong Kong um, electorate uh, or, or the elections, in particular the legislative branch, which is kind of weird. I mean, it's it's strange to to a lot of us that you know, there's a pro-China, there's a pro-democracy uh, wings inside the legislature, and then like a third of the seats are assigned to business, right? So there's one for the insurance sector, there's one for the medical sector, and there's one for banking and so on. And they're kind of being bought out, I think, a lot by, by China, and that's really pushing things towards the pro-China position. And uh, it's a, a big mess right now. And then what happened just recently was a couple from Hong Kong went to Taiwan, for a vacation, uh, stayed for a while in a hotel, but only one of them, the man, returned. And it turns out that I think the allegation were, or maybe he said that um, he'd killed his pregnant wife in Taiwan. Now, there's no extradition treaty between Hong Kong and Taiwan. And so what happened was they couldn't prosecute him in Hong Kong for the murder in Taiwan because it happened in Taiwan. They couldn't extradite him. So China said, oh, we'll, we'll deal with it and all that. And, and then extradition treaties included both Taiwan and an extradition treaty from Hong Kong to China. Now, there's lots of places in the world you don't want to get extradited to, but China is definitely uh, in the top list, right? There's no particularly strong judicial system 
uh, it's very much controlled by the state. There's a lot, a lot of due process of law, and uh, it's a pretty nasty piece of work when it comes to Western style or rational styles of uh, jurisprudence. So right now, people are saying, no, 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 this is like a death by inches, right? We, we have to push back against this encroachment. How things are going to play out, you know, 28 odd years from now uh, when the handover is supposed to be complete, who, who knows? But right now, there's a lot of pushback against this encroachment of Chinese authorita authoritarianism into what is essentially a, I don't want to say a Western-style democracy because, you know, still part of China, but a more free society, I guess you could say. And there's a lot of people who are waking up to this and really getting involved. And of course, China's tiny, uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Hong Kong is tiny. China is, is huge. So it is a little bit, uh, not even David versus Goliath. It's like ant versus elephant. But from what I've seen, there's a strong sense of, well, we're not just going to take this lying down. We have to fight. Even if we know we might, there's a strong possibility or, or virtual certainty we might lose, we still have to fight because there's a, a, a strong set of principles involved. And the people who've grown up in freedom of association, freedom of speech, freedom of markets, the right to strike and, and a peaceful assembly and so on, people who've grown up with all of that don't want to see it vanish into the authoritarian more of uh, Chinese proto-communism. So is that a fairly decent summation of, of where things stand, or did I miss anything important? Well, I, I think that's uh, pretty much uh, the a, a good round sum up uh, from the history of Hong Kong up to the present. Uh, I would perhaps add that uh, the extradition bill specifically is uh, from the, at least from the perspective on the street, that uh, it would at first this it started off as as an issue that not many people really cared about uh it was like okay for now we will will buy this but then slowly i think um i think some people started to make more noise and then more noise became oh actually uh it's not that simple it's not just about extraditing uh uh a someone who committed a crime in 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 uh, in taiwan uh uh, uh, back to the place where they need to be tried, but that it actually uh, will effectively cancel out uh, any uh, civil rights or any of that sort of thing uh, that is guaranteed by the uh, basic law in in Hong Kong, which is you know part of the the one country two systems deal that that was supposedly uh, 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 agreed upon. At, during 1997. So, um, yes, I, I think that's that's pretty much there. Um, yeah. So, and then uh, it basically culminated in in uh, I, I think one about one million people coming out to onto the streets, and then they they uh, protested. Uh, the uh, the police reacted uh, uh, extreme. Well. By Hong Kong standards, uh, extremely violently. Uh, I think it has basically never escalated to that stage before. Um, well, it's, um, it's easy for the state not to escalate if everyone complies. Yes. You know, this is the way that, that state violence, as you know, is masked. Is people are like, okay. And then it's like, hey, it looks like a peaceful system to me because there's no guns in the street. There's no... Right? But the reality, of course, yes. as you know, is that... If you resist the guns, the pepper spray, the, the Tiananmen Square tanks, 
the, the, the tear gas, uh, the, the batons, it all comes out. So it looks like, almost, almost like to the untutored eye, it looks like the people who are resisting are the ones causing the problem. And it's like, yeah, but, I mean, if you comply, it does not remove the coercion from the system. It just masks it. Yeah, so I, I guess one way of put it is basically the masks came off. Um, uh, uh, and looking back at the past about, what, 20 or so years, I, I think the... The uh, tactics have definitely escalated and like from basically subversion like tactics, uh, you know, buying out of, of uh, businesses, buying out of the media, uh, changing media ownership to more uh, more pro Beijing uh, 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 owners. To... Oh, and then the imposition of Mandarin over Cantonese, right? Yes. And so like soft uh I don't know, saw brainwashing techniques like we 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 could really see it coming like the the uh, what they called the uh, national education say common uh, uh, yeah so it's it's, it's like uh, basically teaching them a specific uh, state sanctioned uh, uh, a version of history a version of of Hong Kong history a version of Chinese history a version of of Western history and and basically justifying the the uh, this this current you know uh, system that that China has right now. So it's 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 really escalated up to this this point where you know everything has sort of just come out of of the of of the the box and and uh, everybody can can see it now and we are kind of confronted by it and. I yeah so um, so back to that that time when you know yeah one one million people come out and then uh, the police reacted violently so two million people came out um, I think virtually everyone I knew was was in that crowd so I'm not I I'm pretty sure they actually lost count of how many people were there uh, so um, yeah so and and then after that you know it just just kept escalating, um, but at the same time, the uh, I would say the uh, reactions from from the people, the impatience, or or like the, you know, we 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 have about like five five uh, demands, right? So uh, if if you if if you uh, look them up, you know, one is you know we want a independent inquiry into the into the the actions of the. The, the police and the government, as, as well as the pro protest as a whole, um, we maybe I need to look it up, but yeah. So it's there's about like five five demands there. Um, we we want to see this extradition bill actually uh, be cancelled. Uh, well, not just uh, dead or anything like. But it's, it's been put on hold at the moment, right? Yes. Which means it can yes, be so resumed at any time. Uh, yes. And uh, they're just putting a pause on it rather than stop it, eject in the old cassette tape days. But uh, of course, people yes. in Hong Kong who are concerned with their liberties want the whole thing thrown out, not just, you know, let's put a bookmark and resume when the protests uh, die down. Yes, this seems to be an indication of, of, uh, of significant mistrust there. Yeah, we, we really, to be honest, do not really trust that it's, it's really dead until, you know, it's really thrown out and it has to be totally restarted if they want to bring it up again. 
Right, right. And what do you think the major concerns are in the long run? Because, I mean, I guess a lot of people had a thought, okay, well, China's liberalizing itself to a large degree, and it certainly is better than it was under Chairman uh, Mao, obviously, and so on. And so was there this kind of hope that we're going to meet China somewhere on the the free landscapes uh, uh, of the sort of East Asian plains and... Well, we may get a few of our liberties shaved back, but as China becomes more free, we're kind of a meat mostly on our side. Was there some thought about that? And is that kind of fading away? Uh, I, I can point to several uh, events, I think, that that can sort of guide our, our thinking or sentiment as a whole. I think when uh, China joined the WTO, uh, I think there were high hopes that you know if we just give it free markets and and uh, and and allow it to to trade freely with other countries that it would uh, you know uh, become a more free society. But um, I guess like that was um, quite a while ago. And this this uh, as far as I know from Chinese history the. This this uh, start of of this openness was uh, was due to uh, 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 Deng Xiaoping's uh, decision to to open up the the country to the Western world and and because and, and actually go towards a more market driven uh, economy. Um, but I'm sorry to interrupt, but just a little sort of personal anecdote time. Uh, I was uh, in in China for business in the year two thousand. And something I had never expected to do was to go down to the market and haggle with the vendors about various things that I wanted to buy. And we would sit there with calculators because, of course, you know, language was a barrier. We'd sit there with calculators and, and negotiate that way. And then I'd go back and come back. We'd continue negotiating. First of all, fantastic negotiators. <laughs> I want to point that out. I mean, excellent entrepreneurs. But I just remember standing there in China, this is close to two decades ago, just being amazed that I could haggle for free market goods in China. I mean, that was an astounding thing to me. And of course, that was some years after the economy had begun to be liberalized. Because if people had tried that, you know, even 10, 20 years before, they might have been thrown into a gulag. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, yeah. So... Um that was, I think, the more of a high point of, of market capitalism and, and, and all that. But then what, for me, I think what, what really changed my thinking um, was, uh, was uh, basically seeing a few things. I think it was the, the first and most obvious event was the Tiananmen Massacre. Uh, which, uh, of course, uh, no one in uh, China is allowed to really talk about. Um, to this day, um, they will add, they will not admit anything, and they will tell you that basically nothing happened at that day. So um, uh, that told me that, like underneath, it's it's really still this. You know, there's this. If for for people who are really into the Communist Party, like how it works and all that. Uh, they would consider it as like a contr- control of the uh, ultra left, uh, you know, o- over the uh, the party as as a whole, and and they were the ones who sort of decided uh, 
and overruled the rest of them who were not as as uh, as uh, extreme um, to basically uh, open fire at 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 the protesters. Right? So so it, that to me indicated uh, that okay, actually this, there's always going to be these these power struggles inside the the party apparatus. And they will um, eventually. Um, what tends to happen is it becomes uh, more and like more and more extreme, until a point where okay, they it goes so insane that actually someone may come out to to uh, moderate it again. But eventually, you know, another extremist will will come out and and actually start to control the show again um, and big, make the whole whole thing more autocratic and uh, this is uh, to me I think this is what is exactly what is happening uh, now you know as you know um, uh, the uh, the president Xi is is basically a a uh, dictator for life right so uh, um, no one can really uh, uh, replace him Um, you have uh, basically Central uh, military command is basically uh, yeah, he's basically the commander in chief as well. So he basically has final say over almost everything that matters. So to me, that that was um, not 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 the way that uh, uh, freedom will 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 grow. And I, on a more personal note, in terms of relationships, I I felt. Well, because I I went to school in 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 Hong Kong, and um, we have quite a lot of uh, uh, mainland Chinese uh, students uh, uh, in our universities, and my interactions with them was um, were I would say increasingly um, I felt that they they, they were not comfortable uh, talking about certain issues uh, when. When they felt that you know it became too too political or like too too much about uh, uh, you know freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of to believe what religion you want to believe in, um, I felt that there was a, a high degree of self censorship, and and that self censorship is just increasing all the time, uh, especially these these few years. So um, as far as I can see, there's um, there is the, I guess the uh, veneer of you know uh, high speed economic growth, um, uh, 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 you know achievements of of you know world firsts like they China likes to be proud of you know having the most high speed rail in the world and uh, uh, I I think they are building a lot of highway infrastructure dams everywhere uh, coal plants. Uh, Sorry, coal plants for sure. <laughs> yes, uh, um, I, I, I think there was also for a moment they were also proud of uh, manufacturing the most was it green energy, solar panels, that sort of thing, in the world. Uh, fastest computer, uh, uh, well, fastest supercomputer in the world. Um, so they're really proud of these things. But to me, those are very like very. Uh, they're on the surface, and 
I well, don't. You know, if you if you steal from enough people, you can produce some pretty cool stuff, but it doesn't make the stealing right. Well, yes, yes, and and there, there's also the issue of uh, uh, intellectual property theft, um, um, mm. and I actually have some well some accounts of, of, of some friends who are who, who are actually in, involved in, in, in some uh, uh, startups uh, and um, basically uh, if you look at the Chinese tech scene uh, I think it's pre- mostly dominated uh, by a few major tech giants like Alibaba Tencent uh, Baidu and so what they will do is they have these these massive I, I, I think in the West they call them startup accelerators and incubators sometimes they're called yeah incubators yes um, so they, they will give you the resources uh, necessary to grow the connections etc but eventually what what happens in, in in China here is they will basically uh, there's not much of a I would say intellectual property protection so they will basically, if, if, if they see this startup going any, anywhere, you know, that's interesting and, and then profitable, I think sooner or later you, you, you will see uh, your, your, uh, your uh, business idea basically replicated by them. So, so um, it's, I would say that it's, to me, it feels like a very twisted, uh, I'm I'm not sure I have the right vocabulary to describe it, but it's it it, it doesn't sound right. Like it's if if if, if it feels like it's uh, like you know you can't. Well, okay, I mean like for patents is granted it's a it's a very contentious issue. Uh, I think it's it has to do with the state. Um, well, fundamentally, I think it's it's quite backed by this by the state, but. Um, it just feels like um, there's the impression of 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 free markets, but you know, deep inside, it's actually it's it's the same human farmers farming people and 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 uh, and basically uh, extracting you know their surplus resources that they or, or wealth that they produce and basically siphoning off to themselves, and you can. Another like obvious example of this, I think, is is is, is the uh, social credit system. Mm. I think that's quite world famous already. Um, I guess the West has heard of it by now. Yeah, but explain um, it a little bit for those who are in the dark. Uh, I, to be honest, I, I I don't know an exact you know details of it because uh, so far uh, we have not yet been subject to it, but. Uh, there are, uh, there have been uh, many rumors about it being possibly implemented uh, by 2021 or within three years or something like that. So basically, the social credit system is, uh, t- to me, uh, is like a, it's it's a uh, big data uh, and uh, pre- predictive and descriptive analytics system that tracks. Uh, Every attribute, or as many attributes as they can, about a single person. Uh, every, uh, virtually everything about uh, or their 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 lifestyle. So what they spend on. So if, for example, if you use a, a, a the uh, Tencent uh, WeChat payment uh, 
application, they that is tied to your real name, which is tied to you know your ID and and uh, basically all your purchase records, um, uh, everything you you say online. Uh, in Chinese internet, you have to use your real name uh, on all forums. So technically, they they, they can tie everything together. Uh, your your web history, your uh, what whatever you have said, uh, all your conversations uh, on 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 messaging, uh, your payment, um, where you live, uh, uh, who you're friends with, you know, basically all all these things that creep us out, like as privacy uh, advocates, you know, uh, about Facebook is basically uh, multiplied by by like a huge factor and encompasses virtually every part of your life. And basically the, the, the end result of that, I think is, is, uh, is uh, kind of like a credit score, but it's, it's more complicated than that. Um, basically they're using that data to, uh, to decide whether you, you should be allowed to do something. So for example, if your score is too low, uh, supposedly, you will not be able to board a plane uh, or a train. You will not be able to go to another uh, uh, city. And if you think about it, basically, they can restrict virtually any part of of your life, uh, down to payments, down to basically anything that is connected to the system. Yes. So, um, and the irony, yeah, of course, for that, for me, of course, Jason, is that. I wrote about accumulated contract scores and the power of ostracism in books on a voluntary and stateless society many years ago. And it's almost like the idea has been captured and used by nefarious regimes for nefarious purposes. Because of course with me, uh, it was around a stateless society, but it's kind of uh, now been, been implemented in some nasty manner by a pretty authoritarian regime. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's Big Brother with uh, big data and uh, not just cameras mm. at home or in the wall. It's 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 a phone. Like the phone has you know all these sensors. It can detect you know its orientation, you know your walking speed, your walking you know method, your gait, you know uh, camera, microphone, GPS, everything. It's so it's, it's basically an all-encompassing prison, basically. And it's funny, and I was so thinking the other day just how in 1984 these telescreens were imposed upon Winston Smith, and I don't think even the most ardent science fiction fantasist would have imagined that people might give up their privacy and security and independence in return for cat pictures and Candy Crush. Uh, <laughs> that's just one of these funny things that's kind of happened that's actually not that funny. Oh yes, I if I just look at the adverts that when you know these uh, these 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 payment apps like like Tencent Pay oh sorry uh, WeChat Pay or like AliPay uh, which is by Alibaba uh, came out it was all about convenience and um, basically they would pay you to use it you know so if you spend like well you you basically didn't have to spend any money to. But they'll they'll just give you ten dollars a day to use it basically in the beginning, and then okay now now they're paying less, but you know they're still 
so paying and and it's 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 all about trying to gamify the spending and all all for the sake of the data basically yeah and, i mean if you can't see the product you are the product oh yes and 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 and, and to me it's actually really i guess smart in a way because you know if if they can control all this 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 money flow and 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 keep it within the system basically you know you have one person using like WeChat Pay to pay to another person with WeChat Pay, basically the money has not really moved, <laughs> so it's it's stayed in their system, and and you know that allows them to to do a lot more than even I think current monetary policy can can really manipulate. So I I I I don't see any limits to how they can manipulate that. Like besides you know uh, you know people literally moving off and. You know, paying, I don't know, bartering, whatever, with with physical cash or. But you see, then, then of course, you become the exception to the rule. So let's say you want to go off the grid and you want to pay cash or barter or whatever, then you are going to draw attention simply by being such an exception to the general rule of digitizing everything. Oh yes, and uh, people will look at you weird. Uh, in fact, actually, actually, if we go, uh, if I go, go across the border to Shenzhen, which is just next door to, to Hong Kong. Um, uh, at least we, you know, for the time being, we have a border. Uh, but um, so uh, if I go to a restaurant and I pay with cash, uh, people will look at me a bit weird. Like, do you have WeChat pay? And so it's, it's like, you know, pay with your phone, like not with cash. So, so I feel that it's, uh, it's really quite far ahead. Um, and uh, actually, there's a point I like to make about uh, the uh, social social ostracism. I I I think I did read uh, or 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 listen to that um, from one of your videos. Or it's something. also in the book. Just for those who want to uh, know how prescient I guess I could have been uh, ten to fifteen years ago, the free book is called Practical Anarchy, and it's available at freedomainradio.com/forward/slash/free, uh, wherein I go into this in in fairly great detail about how your capacity to honorably fulfill contracts would follow you like a credit score. And if you displeased society enormously, then you would be ostracized unless or until you made some kind of restitution. Again, that's not a blueprint for uh, the, the Chinese government, but it was an idea about how a society could self-regulate in the absence of the state. Uh, so just yeah, the book's called Practical Anarchy. You can get it for free at freedomainradio.com forward slash free. But sorry, uh, go ahead. Yes, I will definitely go and read that book again because I don't think I I, I got all the uh, you know the uh, solutions out of it like or to that I can get started. But uh, yeah, my point about that was I did think long and hard about uh, social ostracism and how it could sort of apply in this context like that I we're in right now. Um, and actually, the, recently, actually. Um, there was a an effort to actually sort of use this 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 idea of ostracism in in its very basic and primitive form, and that is, you know, if you see a business that is uh, owned by um, uh, people who are pro 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 Beijing or like pro you know Chinese Communist Party, then you don't go and eat there. Basically, like you 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 take your money and you. 
you go elsewhere and you support someone who is who 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 does not support uh, uh, the 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 you know the the control and the government and the oppression against you. So so people started compiling lists of these, um, and uh, actually the lists themselves are uh, pretty uh, um, impressive. I would say um, it. It really goes to show how how much is actually you know owned by by like how far these connections go and how how much of the economy is actually already you know run by by uh, by probating people. And, well, and, and if it's any consolation, it's not just Hong Kong that's dealing with this, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was a huge issue in Australia when I was down there last year on a speaking tour. It was a huge issue, the amount of foreign control over the economy, over land, over real estate and so on. Same thing's happening in Western Canada. And there's a lot of places where the influence of the Beijing dollar is, or the Beijing currency, is kind of overshadowing a lot of more mundane local concerns. Yes, yes. Uh, I would say that's the soft, I think, soft power. And Africa. Like almost oh, all yeah. of it, except for South Africa. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yes, um, so I, I would consider that the soft power. And of course, there's also the hard power. And that is, you know, uh, I, 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 I think one one piece of news that really amazed some of us was uh, in, I think it was Queensland University, somewhere in Australia. Um, so you, you know how like... Hong Kong people or protesters have these these like we call them Lenin walls. So 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 they're basically a lot of post-its. You know, you can write anything you want on them. Uh, but it's basically a basic way to to express uh, yourself. Um, uh, you know, uh, for example, I, I think a lot of people found the the uh, news very distressing. They found the uh, the protests that always tend to become, you know, uh, uh, you know, suppressed in the end, uh, very, very upsetting. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I think there were even, uh, no, there, there were, I think quite a few, few, uh, young people committing suicide. And so that was the distressing to a lot of people. And, and so these, these walls of post-it started to, to show up. And one of these walls were actually well. There's quite a few of these walls that are abroad in in I, I, I think universities where there's there's Hong Kong students, and I think there was like this this uh, time when uh, I think there were what, mainland students who started fighting with with uh, people in uh, near one of these walls and and tried to like tear things down. So to me, I. Uh, my instinct was, okay, that's uh, okay. That could be, you know, like just some lone wolf. But um, I would say it's more, it's more likely um, that it is actually uh, mainland, uh, you know, uh, uh, influence um, uh, over uh, their uh, overseas students. So. So when these students go abroad from from mainland China, the government does want to still, you know, have a hold on them. And and so what happens is, uh, I think, these universities, uh, uh, but and and definitely the ones in Hong Kong, 
uh, they have, I think, mainland student associations which control, uh, well, which uh, I, I believe have some political bureau component to them, which, which controls the, uh, uh, you know, and, or at least monitors the students, you know, to make sure that they're, they're, they're uh, thinking the, the way that the, the uh, party wants them to. Well, and uh, just for those who don't know, maybe you know more about this story than I do, but there was a bookstore in Hong Kong that part of the books, or in amongst the books that they sold were books critical of the Chinese mm. regime and of the Chinese leadership. And over the course, I think it was of about a year, five mm. employees of that bookstore just went missing, just vanished. Now, one of them showed up later on Chinese propaganda TV with the usual you know, uh, Winston Smith post O'Brien weeping and wailing. And I felt massive sympathy for looking at this guy. I can't imagine what had happened to him where he was confessing to his crimes and he was apologizing and he would accept whatever punishment uh, for, for his misdeeds and so on. So, you know, if, if that seems to have played out the way it looks like it, then Chinese government appears to have bungeed in to nab people from a bookstore and harm them until they cough up their regrets. And the bookstore, of course, has since closed, since that's not much of an advertisement for where do you want to work someplace, which is the Chinese government has its eyes and stormtroopers yes. trained on. And that is, I mean, I was really quite shocked because I usually expect things to be happening a little bit more subtly, a little bit more manipulative, a little bit more behind the scenes. But this just what seems to be nabbing people who work in a bookstore that sells books critical of the Chinese government, that is some pretty... Uh, Intrusive, obvious, and invasive stuff. Yes, yes, uh, ab absolutely. And actually, regarding uh, that story, um, uh, I would, okay, don't quote me on this, but uh, as I, I did read uh, a, a certain interview uh, with with that bookseller, you know, after he was you know, released, um, that he uh, he was. Given a choice to uh, become a kind of spy or like kind of like an informant, yeah, uh, of uh, uh, to to monitor the the uh, the guests and and the consumers who of the store, but uh, I think he refused, and and so that was what very uh, contributed to to you know. His, I think, continued disappearance. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 a quite a small point to be honest. But um, yes, I think this event really is it was one of the major major uh, like landmark events um, that that uh, basically illustrates that that escalation uh, of of uh, violence from from I think subversion infiltration kind kind of things to to uh to basically outright you know disappearances and then um you know uh you know, the more obvious uh suppression of 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 protests um uh and uh and i i think yeah last night i think we had uh i i, I think one of the um anti i would say anti beijing uh, parties was it or so some 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 political figure uh i think he got arrested at around 3 a.m in the morning and so 
So um, well, there's, a, the, yeah. there's a big garrison of Chinese troops right in Hong Kong. Yes. Right. Yes, I mean, right. they're not supposed to leave. They're not supposed to get involved. But but that's a pretty big thumbprint right in the heart of the city of how much power the communists uh, or the proto-communists in, in China can summon like that. Oh, yes. Actually, they are uh, once like just a street, uh, just across the street from uh, government uh, headquarters in Hong Kong. So I think it's quite symbolic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, so and listen, actually, I want to make sure we get, sorry to interrupt you, but I want to make sure that we get to some of the challenges that you're having in your relationships, as you had alluded to earlier. Um, yes. So the people, they want to retain their freedoms, uh, such as they are, and perfectly understandable. I think where you and I are coming from is that the freedoms you wish to retain are maybe 40% of the way towards a truly free society. Uh, free society, in my opinion, uh, or my argument, or, or my perspective, uh, is a, a society where there is a near universal recognition of the value of the non-aggression principle. Since governments violate the non-aggression principle, we're talking about a stateless society. I've said that from the very beginning, and people always think I'm drifting from it, but <laughs> nothing has changed in terms of the arguments. Uh, the methodology for implementation has swayed a little bit. But... Um, is it because people, I mean, you, you can't really say people in Hong Kong, of course, and I don't think you are, you can't really say that they're, you've got two million people coming out to protest, you can't really say they're indifferent. So they're very much engaged for the most part, and people are voting more and waking up to these issues. Is it because you want more people to wake up to the freedoms that may be lost relatively soon to China? Or is it because you want people to wake up to what a truly free society could look like? To be honest, uh, I, I would say overwhelmingly number two. Um, uh, I, I, I do not actually really, well, I've never really believed in, 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 in uh, protesting. Uh, I understand that it can yield short-term results, but um, I, the idea of, of uh, negotiating or like with bargaining with an, like an aggressor to me, that doesn't sound very useful in the long run but uh at the same time I, i'm I, I don't know very much about like politics so i i, I don't want to comment too much about that mm -hmm. that part but um i guess like the thing that really dis destroyed me was okay that seems to be like one of the only things that we can do <laughs> about this this situation like okay besides social ostracism let's let's maybe unfriend everyone who is who is uh pro beijing or like uh let's not help uh, uh businesses who are pro beijing but but it, 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 it just felt like okay there's there's nothing else i can really do to to uh to reduce this this uh Deteriorate, to uh, ameliorate. Yeah, the deterioration of the freedoms, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, uh, let me just touch on this because I haven't done it in a couple of years. Uh, for those who, I, I, you know, let me know if you're talking about the against me argument, but the argument very briefly. Yes. Goes yes, something yes. like this. So, let's say that I'm talking to, you and he's, uh, you know, the typical person who's been raised by the state, and then magically ends up believing that the state is necessary and virtuous and wonderful, and without it, we'd all be choking on her own fumes and, and being hunted by wild dogs and, and children would be up for auction on the local slave market and so on. Or they just believe that the government is necessary for 
Taxes are the price you pay to live in a civilized society. There'd be no roads, right? All, that, all this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so if I were talking to yourself and I had this perspective, or you had this perspective, sorry, then I would say to you, am I allowed to disagree with you about the way society should be organized? Now, of course, as a civilized person, you would say to me, well, sure, sure, I would be more than happy to let you disagree with me regarding how society should be organized, because otherwise you're just a dictatorial jerk, right? So then you can say, or I could say to you, well, am I allowed then, if I believe that taxes are being used to destructive ends, if I believe that taxes are being used to foment wars overseas, if I believe that taxes are being used to create massive technological apparatuses that are gonna spy, that in fact are spying upon domestic citizens, if I believe that the welfare state, which requires taxation for its funding, is a destructive, horrible system that disintegrates the family and creates a permanent underclass of people dependent upon the state, if I believe that government education, which is paid for by taxes, is almost universally destructive to the rational development of the human mind and soul, Am I allowed to disagree with you about how society should be organized? In other words, would you accept my right to not pay taxes that I believe are A, immoral, and B, being used for destructive and uh, degrading ends? Now, if the person says, oh, no, 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 you have to pay your taxes, right? Well, then they're not allowing you to disagree with them, right? Because forcing people to fund what you like is not allowing them to disagree. Now, they, could, they would then say, well, yes, but you can start a political party and you can blah, 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 and you can da, 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 right? It's like, eh, well, no, but that's not, <laughs> you know, that's not really, that's not really how things work in the real world, right? One person doesn't go out and just start a political party and, and then turn over everything. Like, that's, not, that's not a reasonable way to, to, not, to let people disagree with you, right? Mm-hmm. And so now, if someone looks you in the eye, because, you know, if you don't pay your taxes, they, they throw you in jail eventually, right? So if somebody looks you in the eye and says, yes, I support armed men showing up to your house, taking you off and throwing you in jail where you may get assaulted, you may get raped, you may get... I support you being aggressed against for acting upon a rational disagreement with me. I like to pay taxes, you might say, and therefore you have to pay taxes, right? I mean, that's not a humane thing to do. And as somebody is willing to look you in the eye and say, yes, you should be dragged off at gunpoint and be thrown into rape rooms for disagreeing with me about how society should be organized, that's a pretty cold moment in a relationship, man. That's pretty nasty. That's pretty nasty. Uh, It's very nasty. In fact, I think it's downright sociopathic, right? I mean, people are certainly willing, I'm certainly willing and happy for people to disagree with me if they believe that, you know, let's say Bob, they believe Bob is, is the very best guy to make roads for the entire country, then they can go and patronize Bob and they can give Bob money and I'm not going to use any force, right? But if I don't believe that the government is the best way to make roads, if I believe that the government making roads, as it does, uh, so everywhere, uh, can, contributes towards urban sprawl, contributes towards uh, CO2 emissions, contributes towards wasteful use of cars and, and um, rush hour and traffic jams and, and the general spread out of humanity that is pretty bad for the environment in many ways, well, I'm not allowed to disagree because if I don't pay those taxes to support the government roads, then the person opposite the table from me with whom I'm having this discussion, if they raise their hand and say, yes, I, I absolutely am fine. In fact, I want you 
to be dragged off at gunpoint and thrown into a government prison for disagreeing with me about how roads should be built. Well, there's no relationship there. Come on. Now, if someone says, whoa, you know, I never really thought of it that way, man, you would, I guess, get dragged off at gunpoint and thrown into a government prison for disagreeing with me about how the poor should be helped or how healthcare should be provided or how roads should be built. Now, of course, they're not going to immediately become a rational voluntarist and a stateless society advocate and an anarcho-capital. I mean, it takes time. It, but, but if it only takes time, they can only get in that direction if they are troubled even a tiny little bit by the clear advocacy that they have of you being dragged off a gunpoint to a government prison for disagreeing with them. If they're not bothered by that, if they're like, yeah, no, that's exactly how society should work. Too bad for you, right? Then it's like, okay, well, then they're really nasty people who aren't even troubled by the fact that, that violence is used in the pursuit of, of taxes and so on. But if they are troubled by it even a little bit, then there's hope for them because they have a conscience. They have a sensitive spot. They recognize you as a human being and they also have empathy for you because nobody likes to be forced to, be, to do things, right? Nobody really likes to be forced to be do things, I guess, Fifty Shades of Grey notwithstanding, although she's more bribed than forced. But that moment... Well, you sit across from people and say, wait, do, do, you, do you really want me dragged off a gunpoint and thrown into jail for disagreeing with you about how roads should be built in society? Come on. And anyone who's not troubled by that, I believe, is just empathy defective to the point of inhumanity. And again, it takes time, right? I've got a whole speech on this, which I did at Libertopia. Um, 2012, I think it was. It's been a while, but um, yeah, that, that, that is the reality of political power that if you support the state, you support people. And if you support the state, and let's say you like the welfare state, then you support people being dragged off to jail at gunpoint for disagreeing with you. And that is not a civilized thing. Now that's, mm. you know, Beijing, far worse than Hong Kong when it comes to liberty, but even Hong Kong is as far from a free society as Beijing is from Hong Kong. That's just off the top of my head, but probably something mm -hmm. like that, right? So if yeah. you're troubled by Beijing, which of course makes every rational sense in the world, then I think getting people to understand that Beijing is a symptom of a larger problem. Chinese incursions into Hong Kong is a symptom of a larger problem, which is why does, why does Beijing want Hong Kong? Well, Beijing wants Hong Kong, partly ideologically, and partly because that's a lot of tax revenue, man. Yes. It's a lot of tax revenue right there in that little <laughs> tiny uh, city. And when governments take over other governments, they take over other governments in order to get the tax revenues. And if there aren't any tax revenues, there's nothing to take over. It's impossible to invade, basically. So I think if I understand it right, it's the against me argument. Do you support the use of violence against me for disagreeing with you? That is at the foundation of some of the interpersonal relationship challenges you're having. Is that fair to say? Yes, I think it is very fair to say, and actually, uh, I I would say that I, to be honest, I do feel. Um, I'm not sure if it's the right way to put it, but I I always feel that I'm a bit, a bit, uh, I don't know, too too com too compliant, or like too open, and I try to pose that that against me argument and. And somewhere in the middle, I, I tend to like just leave it, let it loose, you know. Like no, it, that's it, listen. That's perfectly understandable. 
because that's a um, that's a do or die conversation with a relationship. Yes, right? and, I, and and even if somebody looks across the table and says, "Yes, I support you being thrown in jail for disagreeing with me," I'd still give that person a week or two. I'd still go back and say, hey, "Have you thought about that?" And you know, because sometimes when people get that red pill, right, it, it can take a little while, right? So you don't just immediately write someone off. I would say, you wouldn't immediately write someone up, but give them a little time to massage it through, return to them and so on. But in my, I used to think this was months. I'm a little shorter in that now, maybe just the efficiency of middle age. But if it hasn't troubled someone's conscience that they want you thrown in jail for disagreeing with them in a couple of weeks, expecting them to grow a conscience later is like expecting them to change their eye color or grow taller. Like it, it's just, they don't have it. They just, they don't have any capacity for basic human empathy. And they can't be shocked into developing it when you present them information that goes against what they already believe. So that's, you know, it's, it's perfectly understandable to falter in the middle of that. Because if you keep going and the people stare at you and like, well, yeah, you should be thrown in jail for disagreeing with me. Ah, you know, that's, that's a... You, you can't really walk that stuff back very easily. So I completely... You, you're putting out feelers. You're trying to understand the nature of people's concern or care for you in your relationships. Do they actually care for you? In other words, if they stare at the reality that they want you thrown in jail for disagreeing with them, do they say, well, no, I, Jason, I don't, I, I, it can't be right that I want you thrown in jail for disagreeing with me because I love you, because I care for you, because you're a fellow human being. So something's wrong with this equation. Either you're wrong about taxation or I'm wrong to want you thrown in, like, if you can stare at someone and say, you should be thrown in jail for disagreeing with me, that's the relationship ending moment if it doesn't change over time, right? Again, people can take a while to process. They can say, you call, call you the next day and say, man, I was really troubled by this. You know, this really bothered me. Let's, let's go over it again because I need to see if I can find any holes in your argument. But it troubles my conscience that I might want you thrown in jail for disagreeing with me. And that is perfectly natural and understandable to... to Go to the edge of that cliff and not want to throw yourself over because, you know, it, it sure looks like a long way down, right? Yes, I, 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 from what you said, I, I, I have like, I think a, a, a few different responses. The first thing is that, in a way, in this, okay, it's very logical, but, um, in a way, I feel it's, it's like the. Like times like this is is you know of of you know government violence and escalation. I I, I feel it's it's much easier to pose this kind of question mm. than if nothing happened. Right. I think the last time I tried to pose this question a lot was to over in my relationships was uh, doing I think that was I think it was called umbrella movement. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so a few years back. Yeah, so that um, just for those who don't know, there, there, there was, of course, uh, pepper spray in particular was being aimed at the protesters, and so people would go out with their umbrellas in an attempt to shield themselves. You can't shield yourself from um, tear gas much, of course, but, but pepper spray you can, and they would go out with their umbrellas to hold them against the police or the security forces that were hurling pepper spray at them in a way to, to prevent it from hitting their faces and, and noses and all that. And that's where the name, the umbrella movement, came from. But sorry, go ahead. Uh, yes, yes. So uh, somewhere there, I feel a kind of 
strange gratefulness that you know it is you know it's easier to to ask questions like this uh, but um my second emotional response i feel is is uh maybe somewhere i i i feel i feel it's part of the reason why i'm not like uh not going that far is because somewhere there i feel it's it's difficult to uh i guess it's difficult to let go of relationships and it's right. i feel that and, and it may it's, be sorry to interrupt but it also may be i want to say unwise but if society is heading to a difficult place then dumping connections for the sake of a bold ideological question, which has very real ramifications, and it's not that abstract. I mean, the guns are real, the prisons are real, the taxes are real. But undoing connections during a time of social upheaval is really risky because if it turns out you do need connections, friends, buddies, whatever, a a group, a tribe of people around you, and you've alienated them by bringing these philosophical arguments to bear that can make your life difficult. So we're always kind of gauging. If, if, I, if I shock people into, into waking up, my life gets a lot better. But if people get shocked and recoil from me because I bring them these basic truths, then my life will get worse because we're social animals, right? So and this is one of the, the fact that we are social animals is what's used to control us so often, right? Yes. And so, listen, I fully, completely and totally understand your hesitation and your 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 preference to explore this stuff with people rather than just sit them down and say, listen, we're going to have this conversation because this is real stuff. And I, I would definitely trust your own instincts on that. Yes, yes. I, I Actually, I, I think one time I was actually, I think, posing this question to, I, I think, to some people who do have some connections to to power and um, I, 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 I felt, uh, okay, if this goes badly, I think someone is going to, uh, probably knock at my door at 3 a.m. And, and, right. And, and, and that's, uh, that's not going to do you, yeah, that's not going to do you or the world a whole lot of good, right? Yes. So again, I would, I would trust your instincts on that as well. Yes. You know, we're all, yes. we're all in this world, as you know, we're all yes. limited in the truths we can tell. Yes. I mean, you can say, well, in America, they have the First Amendment, and so on, and that's, you know, that's fair, and there's no such thing as hate speech in, in, in America, which is not to say that there aren't consequences to what you say and, and what it is that you do. I mean, Kathy Griffin couldn't have been, Griffith? She couldn't have been prosecuted, I don't believe, for holding up that ISIS-style severed simulacrum head of Donald Trump, but she was just complaining that she hasn't worked much since she did that, right? So, or, you know, you, you're in a public square and, and uh, people can just, just like, you know, you're free to wear a MAGA hat in Chicago, right? But that doesn't mean that you're going to emerge with your temples intact. So hmm. we are all, you know, we all have to do this dance around the volcano of either bad laws limiting free speech or a crazy people out there because, you know, the, the standard tactic of the left is to keep painting you as a Nazi until some crazy person believes them and thinks that they're killing Hitler, right? So... This, we're, we're all limited in, in what it is that we can say. And 
the truth is not a sword to be drawn at all costs, right? I mean, we, we do have lives to live. We do have things that we need to get done, which we can't get done either dead or in hospital or in a prison cell. So again, I would, I would definitely trust your instincts as far as that stuff goes. I, I think that's, uh, I guess I feel a bit more, you know, uh, comforted in a way <laughs> hearing that because I, I guess I, I, for a moment I did feel a bit of guilt or something like that. No, no, because we, we all, I, we all like the, the idea of, of purity that, yes. you know, damn, damn the consequences. I'm going to tell the A to C of truth regardless, but it is, it is now and has always been dangerous to have integrity. It has always been dangerous in human society to have it. My, my ancestor, William Molyneux, best friends with John Locke, was running all over the Irish countryside trying to escape the guards of the king for, for telling the truth about things the king didn't like. And, you know, Martin Luther questioned the Catholic Church and Galileo said his stuff and Socrates had said his stuff and Aristotle fled and, and Plato had to flee. Uh, for a while. So it, it has always been a dangerous and tricky business doing the dance of progress with the headless mob, which is what we call civilization. Now we have this incredible ability to have and publish these kinds of conversations, but it is a delicate, delicate business removing the shrapnel of error from a volatile and poisoned mind. And, and particularly when that mind is collective, which means it's far less mind and far more instinct. It is a delicate, delicate operation. And a lot of people just want to follow rules. Like, well, the rule is you tell the truth no matter what. And it's like, yeah, well, that's not a great idea. You know, that, that's, not, that's not a great idea. Um, is, is it true? You go into some biker bar and, uh, you know, one guy looks like he's gay. Is it true? You, you can go up to him and say, hey, I think you're actually gay, right? Well, look, you've just told the truth and, and you might go out um, sitting on the business end of a pool cue, right? So, or, you know, this is the thing that kids, you know, kids, little kids, right? They see a fat woman and they say, Daddy, why is she so fat, right? Well, it's a, it's an honest question, but a lot of parents would feel like, ooh, you can't, can't really say that stuff. And these are all pretty minor examples, but, you know, it's a delicate business and it's complicated. How much truth can we tell? How much do we withhold? Who do we talk to? You know, I'm currently on this uh, uh, extended multi-day battle um, about having children, right, on, on Twitter. People should really follow it. at Stefan Molyneux on Twitter. It's very interesting and engaging. And mm-hmm. it's a delicate business, right? I mean, if it was a bad idea to not have children, if you have the capacity for a lot of women, I think that, you know, one in, I think it's in the UK, one in four women over 40 is childless. But children are such a joy and a delight that, that, I think it should be a very serious decision and not just some cool feminist wine aunt propaganda nonsense. So mm. I want to talk to the younger women who have the choice, but to do that, it's going to end up hurting the older women who I think often made the wrong choice. Oh, yeah. Right? So it's a delicate uh, business, right? If I show too much sympathy to the older women, that's going to lull the alarm bells of the younger women. If I show, if I'm too harsh to the older women, which I don't want to be, a lot of them are propagandized and a lot of them 
you know, it, it takes a, a very unusual mind to stand up against the hive mind propaganda of the leftists that control just about every aspect of our society. So I have a great deal of, of, of sympathy. But you still need to tell blunt truths in order to shock people out of their slumber. So it is a tough and complicated business to get truths across in this world. And it's as much instinct as it is reason. And you don't win a war just by charging madly into machine gun fire, right? I mean, that's a, that's a certain way to lose a war. So when it comes to a battle, an intellectual battle, there's a lot of strategy, there's some tactics, there's a lot of planning, there's strategic retreats, there's doing an end run, there's sending out scouts, there's you know, getting drone footage, there's developing new weaponry. Like the, again, all of these are analogies for verbal combat, but it's a very complicated business. And, you know, when I, when I play tennis, I sort of got back into tennis as my daughter's old enough to play it now. I used to play a lot uh, and in, in tournaments when I was younger. But with tennis, every time I want to win the point, I generally lose it. Like any time I'm like, I'm going to decisively hit the ball over there and that's going to win me this point, it doesn't work. But any time I kind of do a war of attrition with the other player and I'm patient and I look for the right opportunity and it just comes and ha that's when I win, right? So anytime I try to will a victory in general, it tends to not go well. But anytime I'm sensitive to my own instincts and look for the end goal of winning and wait for the opportunity to present itself. You know, it's uh, revenge is a dish best served cold is something that I've believed in. And I, I keep a mental note of, of people who've said terrible things of, about me over the years. And I just wait for my time. <laughs> you know, I, I just... Just, just wait for your time. So be patient and be strategic when it comes to bringing the truth to people and to the world. Because you don't also, we are all walking adver advertisements for philosophy and truth-telling. And if your truth-telling ends up with you isolated and arrested, that's not a very good advertisement no. for being, being into philosophy, right? I mean, for me, you know, I'm, I have a very happy marriage. I'm, I'm very happy with what I do. I'm happy as a, as a father and so on. Yeah, okay. You should say, well, it doesn't matter because, the, but the, the fact is that it does matter. You know, I mean, it does matter. You don't see fat guys on diet books. And if you are stressed and miserable and unhappy and alarmed and, and blah, 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 then simply based upon our aesthetics of values, um, people are going to recoil from whatever it is that you're doing. And so do not charge into a fight you can't win and uh, be, be sensitive about the truth that you can tell. And do the dance. You know, we, uh, we got to get people to take the pills of reality. And, and if we have to tell, tell them a story, you know, like they're little kids. You know, like when I was a kid, why did I end up brushing my teeth? Because someone told me that if I didn't, little fairies danced on the sugar stuck on my teeth and it would crack the enamel. Well, you know, and it's, it's kind of funny, you know, but it's, it's, the idea of Plato's noble lie, right? Like, okay, so it got me to brush my teeth. I didn't believe it for very long. But by the time I did accept or understand that it wasn't true, I'd already gotten into the habit of brushing my teeth. So it's, it's just kind of funny, you know, the, the, the number of different ways and approaches that you need, the dance you need to do to bring the truth across to a volatile and dangerous world, a reactive and, and aggressive and sometimes violent world. It's a big, complicated challenge. And there's not one simple recipe for getting people to take medicine that they think is poison. Hmm. No, are we still on? 
Oh, I think we may have lost him. So anyway, that's basically what it is. Oh, are you back? Uh, sorry. Uh, yes, sorry. Uh, I, I think my computer went to sleep. Sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> I, should, I knew I should have okay. done that in binary. So yeah, so <laughs> I hope that you'll take some comfort in that and recognize that all of us have this complicated dance with the devil of unreality and... It is a big, giant battle because whatever you do, the, quote, enemy is going to adjust to. And whatever the enemy does, you're going to adjust to. And it is a pitched battle of inches. And recognize that you can't just decisively win. Um, it's, it's a real challenge. And it is really, really complicated. And re respect that. And don't just say, oh, you know, I didn't say this or I didn't say that. You know, trust your instincts when it comes to this kind of stuff. This battle's been going on a long time and it's probably not going to end in your, uh, your lifetime or my lifetime. No. No, yeah, and, and I totally see that play out in, in many different skills, like on a personal level, uh, at work as well. Um, I often push for, uh, you know, a principled approach to, to doing things and, and I often feel like, okay, why aren't we doing this? You know, why aren't we doing that? You know, and I, over time, I have had, I guess, from experience, learned to not be just headstrong, but you know, uh, adjust the message to the situation and 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 time it better. And also at at the, I mean, the like Hong Kong level, I guess. I think people are slowly realizing that it's not really productive to go headlong, you know, you know, straight, uh, uh, and 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 just protest and 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 uh, just. And sometimes, when you storm the Bastille, you get the French Revolution. You don't want that, right? Right. Yes. So, and then you have the problem. Okay, what do you replace that with? Yes. So. Okay, I I think that's that's a lot to learn about. Like, um, so I guess my question would be: Where is there like a great starting point somewhere that? Well, as I said, I I think it's your own instincts. Like, you have a goal to bring the truth across to people, and you can't force a thought into a human mind. Right. Right. So you have to woo, you have to chastise, you have to nag, you have to inspire, you have to make jokes. You, I mean. Whatever it is going to be, it's a complicated dance to get people to to think clearly. It's it's a very big challenge because there's a lot of people who profit from the muddy unthinkingness of, of the human herd. So uh, just trust if you have the goal of enlightening people that you will do the right stuff uh, as time goes along. As long as you avoid just okay. saying, okay, here are the rules. Well, the rules are... Now I have to do the against me argument with everyone in my life at the same time and anybody who even hesitates, I just drop them like a day old bagel, right? That's a rule, right? Now, another rule would be I'm never going to bring this up with anyone and I'm going to take it to my grave. Well, you know, um, philosophy has some basic rules, which are moral rules, which I'm not worried about my listeners going out and violating the non-aggression principle left, right and center, because if they do, they're not listening to me, right? Mm -hmm. But once, you know, those basic rules are taken care of, the rules are be nimble and be effective over time. You know, it's like a martial art, right? I mean, some of it is using the opponent's weight against themselves, and some of it is, is tripping, and some of it is straight punching, and some of it is running away. <laughs> you know, like it's really, it's complicated, and it's, uh, it's challenging. 
And if you stay with that complication and try not to reduce it to a couple of rules, because then you're not a human being, you're kind of like a robot that's been programmed by philosophy, and that's not free will. Mm. All right, that's most yes. of what I wanted to say, so I'm right. going to close it off here, but I really do appreciate you bringing us uh, up to speed. I hope, hope that you will keep me uh, certainly posted about, about how things are going, but I really, really appreciate the time to chat today. Sure. Thank you very much. I, 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 I think you really hit the nail on the head, and now I need to go and digest that, that <laughs> message. Excellent. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Thank you.